0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast.
1: Joining us right now on the phone is an ER doctor, Dr. Christian Thompson, and he's the president-elect of Doctors Manitoba. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, congratulations on... Uh, uh being chosen to lead your organization picked a heck of a time (laughs) no kidding i think of that you know i i had dr rusin on a a couple of weeks ago uh, and i asked him i said did you ever imagine that you would be dealing with daily news briefings like this and a pandemic and he goes no like and and you can't ever imagine i mean you know it's possible but you can't ever imagine for this sort of thing can you
2: uh, absolutely not. I mean, you know, as an ER physician, right, we're kind of trained to always think worst case scenario. So we think about it, but it's very rare that we actually have to face it. And and the unfortunate reality is um, every week uh, now we're dealing with new, you know, worst case scenarios that we're having to troubleshoot. And uh, it's um, it, it's a trying time for sure.
1: Absolutely, uh, Tristan ran down some of the numbers uh, from Doctors Manitoba in his newscast. There, basically, you have Google uh, mobility data, and you've compared it now to the start of the pandemic. Boil it down for us here. Uh, we're doing pretty well, aren't we?
2: Well, uh, I would disagree with that. <laughs> okay. So you know when you when you you know, absolutely, we're seeing uh, Manitobans step up. And um, and you know when you look at the look at the data, which is just one data set, um, and so you have to take that with a grain of salt. But what we're seeing is you know 39 uh, percent uh, uh, less time in retail stores, restaurants, recreational settings, 33 percent less time in workplaces, and 17 percent more time at home. Now um, this is great. It's not quite as strong of data that we saw back in uh, spring. And the, the troubling part about that is. The, and the real numbers that matter are right now, there are 30 times more active cases and 20 times more patients in hospitals. So we're comparing apples and oranges here. The, 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 those are the numbers that really matter. And those are numbers are staggering. So so when you actually look at this data, the, the trends tell us that we're actually not doing enough, that we really need to step up. We need to stay home, wear our masks and do our part as Manitobans uh, to to prevent uh and to flatten
1: this curve mm-hmm. and i understand the comparison you just made and and i get that uh but back in you know march and april we had a complete shutdown and we are far from a complete shutdown right now and so again i know dr Russen's message is stay home But everything around us is nothing like it was uh, back at the start of this. It was a complete shutdown then. It's not now. So I guess that's why I started my conversation with you by saying we're doing not bad compared to the spring when it was a complete shutdown. But you're right. The numbers are much worse now.
2: Right. And, you know, obviously, you know, Dr. Rusin has data and information and, you know, his uh, recommendations, uh, you know, we support. Um, And we support the message, Um, you know, Manitobans need to do their part and stay home. Um, But the fact of the matter is, you know, the situation is dire. Um, And so we need to follow Dr. Rusin's recommendations. uh, And and that means staying home, wearing a mask uh, and uh, ensuring that we uh, do our part uh, because it is uh, critical.
1: You know, I look at the numbers every day as you do and as many people do. Uh, 11 deaths today, but I see 400 cases again. The cases haven't really dropped off. There have been a couple days where they were a little lower, but 400 today is right back up there again. We've got 249 people in hospital, 40 of those people in ICU. When we're seeing 400 cases like that, we know a certain percentage will end up in hospital, possibly in ICU, and then there will be deaths resulting from that, and we are very close to maxing the system right now already. You're exactly right. And, and
2: you know, I, I think actually some staggering numbers, you know, people, there are people out there that say, you know, this is, this is just the same thing as the flu. Well, I can tell you emphatically, it is not. So some numbers that, that actually might be really relevant here. So in the entire season last year, uh, the entire flu season, there were 40 ICU patients total for the entire season. Well, right now, there are 40 ICU patients today with COVID-19 in our province. 29 deaths in the entire flu season. Uh, 190 right now. This is not the flu. Um, I cannot say that more emphatically. Um, we are dealing with a novel disease uh, that is killing Manitobans, and our system is reaching the brink. and, and we really need Manitobans to step up and do their part. Um, look at you know being on the front lines. Uh, I, I can see this happening in real time, and it's it's scary.
1: I'm glad you made that uh, flu comparison because we hear that from a lot of people, uh, not a lot of people, we hear that from some people who don't think this is as big a deal uh, as it is, and they will often say, come on, it's the flu. Uh, those numbers comparing the flu uh, to this COVID-19 uh, show in very stark terms that it is nothing, uh, not even close to being the same, uh, flu and, and coronavirus. You said we need to do more, and I agree. We need to stay home, period. That's it. It's not difficult. That's that's the message. That's uh, whatever the health orders say. That's it, to stay home. Um, but should the province and Dr. Rusin and Premier Pallister and Health Minister Cameron Friesen be doing more as well, or do you think they're doing enough?
2: So that's a loaded question, Hal. <laughs> Um, you know, obviously, uh, as an emergency physician, you know, I have my own area of specialty and expertise. Uh, and Dr. Rusin, as, you know, the, the public health officer uh, and our, um, you know, leader in this, in this fight, um, has a wealth of information and expertise. And, and so I would, I would say to Manitobans that, uh, you know, Dr. Rusin is, is our leader in this and to follow his recommendations. And his recommendations are clear. Uh, we need to stay home. We need to wear our masks. We need to uh, limit our contacts, and we we shouldn't we shouldn't be thinking, uh, you know, reasons for uh, uh, why why we should should go out. It should be more reasons why we should be staying in. Um, you know, we shouldn't be finding excuses to leave the house. The, the default answer should be you're at home and you're doing your part.
1: Okay, I agree, and and I wasn't trying to throw a curveball at you. It's just, I, I think it's a valid question because if we've got people, whether it's businesses or individuals, trying to skirt their way around uh, the health orders, then I wonder if Dr. Roosten and Premier Pallister and Minister Friesen should be doing uh, some things to close those holes. That's all I was getting at there. But I, I appreciate your answer. Uh, your answer, uh, Dr. Christian Thompson. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. ER doctor and president elect of doctors manitoba feel free to weigh in on any of that 204 780 6868 hal at cjob.com during the show text message or phone call at that number uh, is a good way to reach me and if you want send an email and i'm happy to answer it Uh, if it's urgent during the show i'll try my best or if it's uh, just a suggestion or maybe a a show idea or or a guest suggestion uh, pass those along hal at cjob.com My inbox is always open 24 7 Joining me now, Sean O'Shea, Global News consumer and investigative reporter. Sean, good afternoon.
3: Hi, Hal. Thanks for
1: having me on. No, thank you for doing this. Your timing is perfect uh, for for me, anyhow, because I just last night, my wife Jackie and I finished The Queen's Gambit on uh, on Netflix. What an amazing show! Is is that what is driving at least some of this resurgence of chess that you're talking about today? Hal, that's
3: driving a large part of it, according to uh, one grandmaster, one uh, top Canadian I spoke to, and a number of other people. I I guess we have to be careful not to do any spoilers, right? Right. Uh, I've watched part of it, and, and I can see why, having watched what I've watched and you watching the whole thing, why it would spawn so much interest. And people who teach chess and people who are really good at chess said this is one of the best things to happen to chess uh, in Canada because it's really raised a level of interest in a game that they've been trying to raise a level even higher on for, for many, many years.
1: I have never wanted to play a game of chess in my life until I started watching this show. And especially last night, I started thinking, is that old chess set that I had? years ago still downstairs in in one of the boxes the show was so well done and of course they used lots of you know big names in the chess world to get it right and i think that really adds a lot to the show as well um and i think too uh and even after watching this show, I feel like you got to be pretty smart to be good at chess, and I don't know if I'd be any good for that reason, but uh, it, it certainly has been an entertaining show. And so give us a sense of, of why and, and how chess is becoming more popular right across the country now because of this show.
3: Well, you make you make some great points there about the, the quality of the show, and, and what Amman Hamilton, who's the grandmaster at number 10 ranked in Canada, told me is it is so really realistic. And, and that's what makes it so, so much better. He said a lot of other films that have been done, productions that have been done on chess have talked about stereotypes. But they're, they're, this one really accurately depicts, I mean, you're talking about a, an orphan girl who there has experiences alcohol dependency and drug dependency, and, and all of those kinds of things are part and parcel of what it's like to be a competitive chess player at the high level. So that's one of the things that is so... It, it, capturing for, for people that really know chess. But you you make the point about how you know you don't think you'd be very good at it. And I, I gotta be I gotta confess I haven't played chess since my twenties and I'm well beyond my twenties. But I'm gonna <laughs> pick up the, the chess again and you don't have yeah. to the board. This is this is the great thing about it. That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. You can play anywhere and that's and, and this is the pandemic has played into this as well. Because for the last seven or eight months so many people have been stuck at home uh, and have had to find other things to do. And because chess is something you could play online, uh, chess.com has found about another 80 or 90,000 Canadians who signed up uh, this year. So you can go on there, you can play for free. All you need is a computer. All you need is internet access. So you don't even have to go and buy or find the box and, and, and physically play with somebody that way because you're not going to really be able to do that. So that's the other thing about chess right now, the film, the pandemic and the ease of ability to be able to play with people that you don't know
1: wow for 80 or ninety thousand canadians you know in a relatively small country to sign up in those numbers uh at chess.com that's uh that and we you know at the start of this and we continue to look for things to do uh you know to be at home and and be safe and then now this show i guess has kind of created uh, almost sort of a, a perfect storm in the show and again no spoilers but in the show uh they talk about america and russia right there's that rivalry be- between the uh, chess players in the u.s and uh, and in russia you said you talked to a, a canadian champ or a, a famous player uh in the chess world anyhow here in in canada how how are canadians in the chess world are we any good
3: well man hamilton's a grandmaster. he's like i said 10th ranked canadian and uh and there are a lot of really good canadians from what i found out and And women who were, a man told me when I did an interview with him yesterday for a story that we're hearing tonight, it'll be online at globalnews.ca later today. You know, he talked to me about how really women are really underrepresented when it comes to the game. It's really historically a male-dominated game. Any movie you've seen or competition you've heard about would would reflect that. But uh, that's changing, and as more and more people pick it up, and that's what's going on. More women are getting involved, and that's a good thing. But the general idea is that more and more people have access to it, and the online access is something that is is so good. You know, you, you in, in Winnipeg, I'm sure there are chess clubs. There are in Toronto. Yep. I grew up in the prairies. There are chess clubs in different places, but a lot of them had been waning. You know, in the 70s and 80s, because of of uh, you know coming and going of interest but boy when you get something that people are really interested in doing and you can easily just get on your computer or get on your phone and do it that's what makes it so much more accessible and that's what they're all hoping for because if you're in that field you want to see people playing it you want to see people excelling at it and that's what we're starting to see more and more now thanks to this series in part
1: well, and Sean, thanks to you for doing this story, really. I, I was really looking forward to this conversation. As I said, I just finished a show, uh, the show last night, but you know what, man? With COVID-19 nonstop, 24-7, constantly uh, a part of this show, and of course what we do here at CGOB and what you do uh as as a journalist as well, it's it's nice to get a break and talk for a few minutes about the, a game that's coming back, and and for good reason. Thanks a lot.
3: Hal, thanks very much, and, and I'll have to I'll get in touch with you after I've watched the whole thing, as you have
1: yes yeah you're gonna love it it's it gets better as it goes and the ending is fantastic it's it's based on a book and i the first thing i said to my wife jackie when we were done is i said i wonder if there's going to be a season two because they do call it season one but i guess if they did more it would be based on you know new writings not on on the book or you know those are at least the conclusions that i'm i'm making on that sean o'shea joining us here thanks sean thanks very much all the best you too. Global News Consumer and Investigative Reporter, Sean O'Shea. Yeah, watch it. It's, it's really, really good. Joining us on the phone here now, Rob Warren, Marketing Professor at the University of North Dakota. Rob, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Hey, thanks all. By the way, you know, we call on uh, several of you very often, far too often probably, uh, for these conversations. And I really appreciate how you're always available. Thank you.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure.
1: So um, I'll just read a text message I got here from Chris, and I think it's a good point as we talk about, you know, small businesses are, are feeling like they've fallen between the cracks because some of the big box stores are allowed to stay open and, and they're not. Here's what Chris said at 204-780-6868, and then you can react to this, Rob. Hal, I'd like to know who gets to decide what behavior is selfish and under what circumstances. It's not selfish to attempt to run a business to feed yourself and your kids or go to church or even gasp to visit your parents. Those things are human and normal. Besides that, it's not unreasonable to expect to be told what exactly the law is and to exercise any and all freedom inside the law without fear of judgment or reprisal. I think the point Chris is trying to make, I believe he's trying to make this point, is a good one. That these orders should be more specific to eliminate the loopholes, and then there's no gray area. It's black or white.
0: I agree with you and Chris 100% on that. The problem is right now what we've granted is a named retailer the essential status, not thinking about all the ancillary pieces that they have associated with them that are putting competitors at an unfair advantage. And we've seen over time what allowing the big players to do is done to local retail.
1: Yeah, Uh, and you know, you you give somebody an inch, they take a mile, but I think when you're talking about these big companies, even more so for them, and and there's been some discussion about, you know, why are they advertising Black Friday sales and shopping for Black Friday when we want people to stay at home, but this is what they do, I guess, right?
0: Well, you kind of got two things. So the biggest difference between somebody who owns a company for themselves and a big-box is one's publicly traded and the way you're rewarded in the publicly traded market is by increasing the stock price and the stock price goes up with increased sales. So everything, if you're a manager is geared towards that. You don't think usually outside that box. Now the, the fact that they're advertising black Friday sales, I'm going to guess those were planned six months ago and they're not even planned locally. They're done at a national level without the person Sending them out, knowing what's going on at the local level, or really caring, because there's something on their calendar that says, do this now.
1: Is there a solution here, Rob? I kind of thought the province, whether it was going to be Roosan or or Pallister or Friesen, I kind of thought the province was going to come out and clarify uh, these uh, public health orders. To eliminate some of these loopholes these gray areas but it's now been several days and now i don't think that's going to happen is the, is there a solution here or is the the little guy the mom and pop stores out there just going to have to try and get through this well the big d- names the big dogs thrive
0: so he, here's where you see the power structure is the big guys when the when they hear that they might be shut partially down go well we can't do that it's a, it's an all-or-nothing approach and we're, we're perfectly happy to shut down and, you know, save some money. That usually means the, the government doesn't want to see that happen because then we've taken away all choice in what's considered to be essential. The, the local players need to spend more time and they need to build up a better base. Okay, it's not that they haven't done a good job, but they just need to get, build it better because we're going to be in this for a while yet so that people understand that it's local businesses that drive the economy. They're the ones that support us in all of our community endeavors. It's not the big players. All that money leaves Winnipeg or leaves Manitoba at 11.59 each night. We need to support the local player. And as consumers, we have to change the way we think. And that's probably going to be the the tougher one. But as consumers, we have to start thinking about, how we can support the local player over the big guy. The big guy may be more convenient, may be open, but the big guy doesn't care about us, as we talked about when it comes to profits. The little guy, yeah. your local neighbor, does.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have to figure out a way, as you as you said, to, to support uh, the local Uh, businesses out there whatever it is whether it's goodlocal.ca which is a website that abhi Khan helped set up which i think is a great idea or or whether we as consumers go hey the the store that i like to go go to doesn't have a presence online and that's a whole other you know subject they need to figure out a way to get online if they're not but if they aren't online and you want to support them it means picking up the phone and and uh, you know ordering and curbside or delivery or or whatever but you're right we we need to Maybe we need to worry less about complaining about who's open and who's not right now and just decide who we want to support and make sure we support them.
0: I agree with you. So I always say that, you know, before I came to North Dakota, I was down in Austin, Texas, and I still have my tie-dyed shirt that says, keep Austin weird, support local business.
1: <laughs> and
0: I believe in that. And I wear it around. Yep. People here think I'm crazy, you know, probably think I'm a yep. Democrat or something. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, which is bad in North Dakota. <laughs> uh but I believe in that. You have to support it. I mean, I'm looking at my, my co-worker's business, and she's getting, it got worse today with the closedowns downs in Minnesota. She's getting, you know, creamed, and she's in the coffee business, no pun intended. And I just feel for her. And But more people need to support her. You know, saying, oh, I feel bad for you is one thing. Buying something from her on a consistent basis, that's what matters.
1: Yeah. Hey, Rob, again, thanks for your time. Appreciate it.
0: You're
1: welcome. Joining us now, another one of these guests that we rely on very heavily, especially over the last several months with the pandemic, Dr. Jason Kindrichuk, Assistant Professor and Canadian Research Chair of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Disease at the University of Manitoba. Jason, hello. Good afternoon.
4: How are you doing, Al?
1: Great, thanks for doing this. So I had on uh, Dr. Christian Thompson, uh, the president-elect of Doctors Manitoba, and we were talking about today's numbers. And and listen, it's I say these numbers and they're numbers, but they're they're lives. And so please, when I say them, if I don't point that out every time, know that I'm thinking that every time. Eleven more deaths today, Jason. Four hundred more cases. Two hundred and thirty-nine here in Winnipeg. The five-day positivity test rate in the province is now over fourteen 14%, percent, fourteen point two percent, thirteen point eight here in Winnipeg. Uh, total cases now over twelve thousand two hundred and forty-nine people in hospital, forty of those in ICU. Uh, that eleven, those eleven deaths today takes the death toll to one hundred and ninety. It's, it's all tragic, and we don't seem to be getting a break in the numbers. But what I said to Dr. Thompson earlier is. I see these numbers that continue to, uh, if not climb, they're they're way too high. Um, and I think, okay, how many of those people are going to end up in hospital, then in ICU, and then how many will end up being deaths? And we're already at the point where our system is basically overwhelmed, saturated. It can't take much more, but yet these numbers are still so staggeringly high. I, I, I'm worried. Are you worried, Jason?
4: Yeah, you know, so I, I wrote a piece uh, for, uh, for a magazine yesterday about, uh, you know, about my perspectives after a year of going through COVID and the way that I put it, uh, my feeling yesterday is the same as today. There was a moment when I was in West Africa where we had, I think we had processed 140 blood samples that day. We were running out of uh, equipment and consumables. Um, and really probably 80 or 90% of those samples came back positive. Um, and there was just a feeling of just emptiness just kind of that, that feeling that your shoulders are shrugged over and you don't know where to go um that's the feeling i've had over probably the past week or so um and, and i think we're all feeling that and it's difficult because i, I don't know what that silver lining is yes the the two vaccines look fantastic and, and that gives us some hope but we have an awful situation we have to get through um and it is it is really a a dire situation
1: where did we go wrong here is it because we did so well at the start that we got sort of complacent because we're almost twice as bad as anybody else we're it's not even close manitoba uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, per capita infections per 100,000 people, I think we're close to double the next province, which is Alberta maybe, or or maybe that's changed. But regardless, where did we go wrong, Jason?
4: Uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be probably a, a thesis worth of Of material for us to figure out hell. I think that the the problem is there's no one individual variable. Um, You know, I think there is certainly something to to the side of complacency. We we all got a little bit complacent over the summer. We all found it, you know, much easier to go out and be around one another. And we know that this virus is insidious in the sense that it's able to transmit under the radar. Um, So the virus was likely transmitting through our communities at that time, but we weren't seeing those spikes. Um, the restrictions. I mean, certainly there's going to be discussions after the fact of when the restrictions were brought into place and whether or not those restrictions should have been harder, and, you know, and really more of a hammer uh, earlier on than not. Um, our frontline healthcare workers. Um, have we actually ensured that we had enough uh, material for them and enough backup for them so that they were actually able to do their jobs efficiently uh, w- without getting infected and, and without having Concerns and fatigue weighing in. I I don't know as if there's one variable. And I think that's the unfortunate aspect is we're all trying to figure out what went wrong. And the unfortunate aspect is we have a lot to figure out to get things back going right
1: first everything we've been hearing uh, and now today we hear the Pfizer vaccine is night we heard 90% at first now they're saying 95% it looks like they're going to try and get FDA approval in the states within days uh the Moderna vaccine looks like it's about 90 uh, 95% effective and everything i've been reading all along on these vaccines uh, you know, Fauci in the States was saying, man, if we get a vaccine that's 60% effective, that'll be great. And here we are with two vaccines that they're saying are 95% effective. And you're right, that's great news. We're in a mess right now, though. It's almost like, you know, it's that bag of chips that you want so bad as a kid and they're It's sitting up there on the shelf, and you can't quite reach it even when you're on your tippy toes.
4: Well, it's kind of like you're 9-0 at the midpoint of uh, the
1: CFL season, and you still have nine more
4: games to get through, right? Everything looks good, but you're not there yet. You're, you're not at the Grey Cup. And, and that's the, the issue that I find for us is we, we have it on the horizon, but the problem is we have to, you know, kind of weigh that temptation to basically throw our hands in the air and say, okay, you know, hallelujah, we're done, with understanding that we have months to go in this. Um, even when we start to see the, the, either of these vaccines, which assumedly will, will get licensed, once they start getting distributed, it is not going to be the next day that we go back to normal, um, this is going to be a long process, considering that this is on a global scale. So I, I think we, we have to understand that the things we're doing now and the struggles we have, um, they are going to continue, and, and we have to figure a way out to get to the point that we can get vaccines distributed and we can get back to a, a normal life, hopefully late 2021.
1: How far, so you're thinking it might be the end of next year uh, before enough people have a vaccine that's effective enough for us to get back to something closer to normal.
4: I think we're going to be looking at the you know late third early fourth quarter next year, and I think part of that is the fact that listen, we have two vaccines that are uh, it's a new technology, it's it's mRNA. Um, it it is indeed easier to scale up as compared to traditional vaccines, but you still have to scale it up. And the problem is, is that we're not dealing with an, an epidemic in one location uh, on the globe; it's across the entire globe. So. Um, There there is going to be that issue of trying to meet the demand and and having the supply to meet the demand. So I I think we're going to be looking at a staggered release to most vulnerable communities first, and then moving out to the general population. So it's going to take time. It still will be a monumental effort and historically um, unprecedented, but it's going to take us time to get there.
1: Melinda just texted in a great question here at 204-780-6868. She says, Hal, please ask Jason uh, if it's possible the virus might mutate, and what would that mean for these two vaccines?
4: Yeah, it's a great question, right? So, uh, listen, viruses always are mutating, and in particular these types of, uh, of viruses. The good thing with coronaviruses is they mutate at a lower rate. We've seen some mutations that, that have cropped up, um, but what we've seen so far is you can actually predict where those mutations fall in the virus and you can look to see where the vaccine or the antibodies that are generated from that vaccine will bind to on the virus. And so far, the information we have suggests that we're, we're not going to see a loss in, uh, in neutralization um, from the antibodies that are generated from the vaccine. It's always a concern, but we have the platform. And the nice thing is that these platforms are adaptable. So uh, we, we have unbelievably smart people that are, that are working on this, and they're, they're certainly addressing these concerns
1: couple more quick questions we've got uh, research being done right here in winnipeg and manitoba on the vaccine and therapeutics front what what do we know about local research what have you been hearing (laughs) can you share any? can you share anything with us i'm sure you guys all talk you you guys all hang out on zoom all the time don't you
4: We, we do, right? And we're, we're also all competitors, too. Um, <laughs> no, listen, I, We all work together. It's, it's been a global, uh, absolutely, a, you know, a, a global partnership. Um, people in Manitoba are working hard. Uh, Dr. Yao in my department is working on, uh, you know, a, a new vaccine. They're trying to get uh, their product into, uh, well, they're in preclinical development. Hopefully, they'll be able to get enough, uh, enough testing to get into clinical trials in, in the near future. Dr. Kevin Coombs and his lab, they're looking at trying to identify drug targets, um, for for repurposed drugs uh, that we can basically get off the shelf and use, um, all all of these types of people are, are doing amazing work. Uh, you know, there in Winnipeg, so I, I my my hat goes off to them. They're 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 doing uh, everything that we need them to do.
1: And let me know if I can join in on one of your zooms uh, one day. Let me know if that's uh, if that's possible. I'd, I'd love to hang out with you, uh, with you uh, <laughs> doctors and epidemiologists and all you guys. You sound like a, a fun bunch. I'll tell you, you're an important bunch these days. That's for sure. Hey, um, you know, and and, and here's uh, we'll have this conversation. Uh, this is just a comment, and you can weigh in if you want quickly because we're out of time. But uh, here's what I find really interesting: dealing with COVID nineteen every day, as you do, and I'm not dealing with it at the same level as you. But I'm reading and. You know, and I was just reading a story where they have found that, um, as weird as this sounds, that COVID-19, somebody can, a man can get over COVID-19, but the virus is still present in his testicles, and they find it in patients that die. They find it is still in the testes, which, I, and my point is, as we go along over months and years There's so much we don't know about this virus and what impact it's going to have on us for generations, potentially.
4: And, Hal, that's exactly the research that I do on Ebola. We've seen that with that disease. Um, So it is something that's been on my mind for a while. There are unbelievable amounts of information we still need to learn about this virus. Um, We're doing it in record time, but certainly the findings will not stop anytime soon.
1: Jason, appreciate your time, as always. Thank you very much. Take care, Hal.